everyone. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the film room. We have another request. Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 in another request mode. Uh the next few weeks are uh the next cast after this is going to be a request cast and let me just pause and state how happy I am that the next cast is going to be a much better movie. Oh yeah. And it's going to be a guest cast. It's going to be a guest by the requester. Mhm. Yeah. Oh boy, this movie. This week's film was requested by Nathan Chen, and as always, he delivered for us. Nathan has a knack for finding movies that are not just bad, but are a very specific kind of bad. Um, How does he do this? I don't know. I don't know, because most people will have their, you know, most people will be looking for the obvious things that make a movie bad, and Nathan looks for for movies that represent a different kind of bad. A more real kind of bad, because, okay, it's fun to laugh at movies with bad special effects and all that. It's fun. We all love doing that. Nathan finds movies that are rotten on the script level, that they're rotten at their core. And those are a lot more fun to cover, because I'm not short of things to say on this movie. This is the kind of movie that, about five minutes into it, I realized exactly why Nathan chose it for us. And, oh, wow. The movie we're going to be covering today is called Heart of the Country. It's relatively obscure, although it's actually less obscure than some movies that we've covered. I mean, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It, it got decent decent distribution within the Christian market. Uh, it wasn't theatrically released. It was a video release, but it did did well in the Christian market. Um, yeah. Is it Dove Approved? I don't know if it's Dove approved, and I don't uh, <laughs> care. Um, probably. I mean, it's the kind of movie that they probably would approve of. I mean, the main character's name is Faith, so... Yeah, I'm, I have a theory about that, by the way, that I'm going to get to in a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's the kind of pure, warm, fuzzy, saccharine sweet... This is a movie that makes you feel like you have sat down and drank a bottle of uh, pancake syrup. Not... Maple syrup, pancake syrup. It's a 2013 movie. Uh, 20th Century Fox actually released it on video, which doesn't speak well to them. Let it be known that Fox uh, released uh, a number of Christian films theatrically, so there's there's blood on their hands, um, including one that I hope to get to at some point. Unfortunately, um, I will pause to say right now, we are going to, in a couple of weeks, be giving a fuller look at the Christian exploitation genre, We've been planning this for over a year. That one's in also the also with guests. That's that's also good. there's gonna be a lot of guest casts coming. This one is an isolated incident though that we're gonna look at, but it does illustrate some points that we wanted to make anyway and might not have gotten to make actually because I don't think we were planning on covering a Christian romance film. I, I don't like my main interest is gonna be the fun, crazy, apocalyptic movies. Those are going to be the fun ones. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a very uh, uh, milk toast one. This is a yeah. It's very very. Um, the movie um, was written and directed by um, John Ward, who also plays a small role in the film, hmm. which thus uh, puts this squarely as a slightly vanity project. All of his films to date have been pretty much all in this genre. Uh, pretty much all Christian. Um, he's usually starred in them, uh, from what I can tell. This appears to be the first one that he stepped back and didn't star in. Good news for us, because, um, sometimes we go light on actors because they're not really professional actors. Most of the actors in this film are, in fact, professional actors. Yeah, so we can feel free to get as mean and vicious as we want to on the acting. Wow, you described this as, off the air, as a big nothing of a movie. That's really exactly what this is that we're going to be hitting into. Yeah, it is extremely just, nobody really learns anything, nothing really happens for all that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, this this might as well be called Flashback the Movie. Yes, yes. That drove me nuts. I would say about as much of this movie is flashbacks as, God, just about any film you can think of. I mean... Honestly, the main story at times almost feels like a frame story for the flashbacks. It is, yeah. Oh yeah, this is a very poorly made film. Yeah, I'll get that out uh, right off the bat. Uh, this movie is extremely poorly made. The very first thing I noticed about the whole thing is the editing is off. Like, it should be 
It's it's a little more jumpy than it really should be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rapid cuts in this movie. Yeah, there really don't need to be. It's like it gives your it gives your brain the wrong impression about what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, because we all we all know how to watch films. We all like know, um, even if we're not conscious of it, we all know what films are doing to us. Uh, this one, it's like, okay, there's it's like, okay, the scene is uh, there's a car approaching the farm or whatever. There are kids playing or playing, and there's like um, family all around. Blah blah. It's okay. Rapid cut of the truck approaching towards the camera, and a rapid cut of oh, there's a kid playing, and then a rapid cut of the farm, and then a rapid cut of a kid playing again. A rapid cut of the thing. It's like okay. My mind will will suddenly read that as oh shit that that truck is about to hit that kid, and uh, well it doesn't happen. <laughs> there's a lot in this movie that amounts to there's a to uh, setting us up for things that don't come. Exactly. Uh, we're gonna get into that more as we get into the plot, but the movie is so incompetent. I mean, th- this is really a very incompetently made film. Um, where to even start? I guess we should start theoretically by laying out the plot of the film. Uh, I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to go pull up the Netflix description of the movie. <laughs> yes. Let's start off, the, before we can even get into the incompetence of the film, let's start off by going with the Netflix description of the film. So pull that up for me, if you will, and read it. Now that I have internet, I absolutely can do that. Woo. Thank God. It's very short. Heart of the Country... It's. It says I would give it one and a half stars. That's generous. Mm. Um, yeah. It says a high society woman's world in the big city falls apart. Period. Her small town past may be the key to her salvation. Period. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 a pretty slim description, um, and that's vaguely accurate as to what the film is about. Although the past really doesn't play much of a role in this film, at all. No. Like, you think it's going to, it really doesn't. I've seen a lot of descriptions that put a big emphasis on her career as a singer. Oh, yeah, that really goes nowhere, doesn't it? Yes, it does go nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's explain. I've seen a number of descriptions that sell this movie as being about a woman who, she's abandoned her career as a country singer. I mean, sometimes that's actually outright stated that that's the genre. We see her sing twice in the movie one time we can't even really hear her the other time we do hear her but it's like for 15 seconds there is very little indication that she's anything and there's i guess there's brief talk of did you ever of the singing career but it's so barely brought up that near as i can tell she doesn't have a career right she just sung in a couple clubs and that's also how she Mm-hmm. Um, uh, met her husband. That's about the only role that plays, and that can be substituted for anything. Yeah, there were moments when they were doing the falling in love montage that I kept thinking of Gone Girl. That's not what you want to be thinking of when you're watching something like this. No, <laughs> no. Oh, mostly because I wish I was watching that instead. Um, yeah. That's not to say that we don't hear music in the film. Throughout the movie, we do hear singing on the soundtrack, and here is the competence that this movie has. I checked the end credits. The vocalist on the sound on the soundtrack in all of these songs is not even identified in the end credits. Yeah, that's the competence that you're dealing with here. For the record, uh, it is, however, the lead actress of the film that's doing that. Uh, she's a country singer herself, and it's yeah. pretty obviously her. Uh, uh, Okay, uh, you see, I'm, I'm like, I'm fluffing around this movie's plot before we can even get into it. The story is actually very sort of simple and sort of not. It makes you think it's going to be much more complicated than it is. Um, the movie is about a woman who's gone home to her small town uh, after uh, her marriage has fallen apart. And there are all kinds of hints and implications that the husband may not be there because she's not may not be alive anymore or or that something as horrible has happened to him because we keep getting hints and intimations that there's something that's going on i spent much of this movie waiting for the other shoe to drop waiting for the twist to be revealed that oh he's he's dead he's died 
And this is not helped by the fact that there is a love interest in the film. A uh, small-town jack-of-all-trades, doctor, plumber, old friend of the family. This is the guy that I had pegged as the love interest immediately. Who has a very nice car for living in the country. And he li- he used to live in the city, but now he's realized that living in the country is the best thing to do. Because country. Let me be abundantly clear. All of this setup that the movie does in terms of pinpointing, hey, this is going to happen, hey, this is going to happen, hey, this is going to happen, none of that will ever matter. Not a single thing that I have just described will ever come to matter. No. It it occurred to me, you could have gender-swapped the uh, jack-of-all-trades guy and made him a female friend, and it would have made zero difference on the plot. Oh, and I loved that the big thing with him is that, oh yeah, they're talking, like, they went to high school together or something like that, and it's like, oh yeah, you wouldn't friend me on Facebook or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, haha, it's like, wait, how long ago did you go to high school? Yeah, because she's my age, um, you know. Right, it's like, that wasn't that long, like, Facebook did not exist when I was, when I was, when we were in high school. Well, I think the implication was that it was supposed to be now. That it was supposed to be like, I've been trying to get it in contact with you now. I don't I know. See. It wasn't a good line. Um, yeah, it wasn't. There's, but, but okay, before we can even get into all of this, there has to be the, what much of the movie is about. But, but let's just be clear. The husband is not, in fact, dead, and that will all come into play. He's more than alive, and that will come into play later on in the film. Much of the first half of this movie is simply about her going back home to her small town and reminiscing about her marriage that's fallen apart. Like, the movie starts with a scene of uh, the main character whose name is Faith, in case the movie thinks we're too (laughs) stupid to understand it. So let me pause right now and give you my theorem. Roger Ebert had what he referred to as the Cole theory, that there has never been a good movie where the protagonist was named Cole. Mm-hmm. I can dispute that one, by the way. The Sixth Sense uh, more than qualifies as a uh, not only a good, but a great movie with one. I have never seen a good movie where the protagonist was named Faith. I don't think I've ever seen one. And a lot of you are going to probably be raising your hands and go, what about Spring Breakers? Let me underline what I just said. And with And with that, and by the way, I know that a lot of, I can now hear a lot of people going, click, as I've said that. First of all, uh, that character was not actually the protagonist. She's out of it by the halfway mark. Secondly, that's not a good movie. Yeah, I really don't like Spring Breakers. Um, we're going to cover that one at some point. That That's one that I'm going to get to. Uh, we just have to. And we'll probably have a fan of it on there so that we can have a, a, a nice screaming match. But here's the thing. We have this character is named Faith so that we can be completely certain what she represents in the movie. She has come home to see her father, who is played by Gerald McRaney, who is probably the only actor any of us would recognize in this movie. Again, most of the actors in here are soap opera actors. You you described this as feeling like a soap opera. Yeah, most of the actors are soap opera actors. So she's come home to her dad, Calvin, which there's another religious name, John Calvin. McRaney gives the closest thing to a good performance in the movie, but it's really one note, and... It Like, a number of the actors in this movie screamed out to me, we couldn't get our first choices. Mm-hmm. Because McRaney kept, to me, doing um, off-brand off, off J.K. Simmons was kind of what he was doing, in my opinion. Like, that's, that's how his performance felt to me, was it was like, well, we wanted J.K. Simmons for this, but there was no way in hell he was going to do this. And McRaney agreed to produce it, so... Yeah... So, and, and, and the lead actress in it, uh, Jana Kramer, looks and sounds like off-brand Lacey Chabert. Oh, that's not a good sign for this movie. Because if, if you take one look at uh, Chabert's filmography, that should tell you that they probably could have afforded her. But of course, there's the all-important music plot that they have to get in. And, but that's seriously what, she, what I kept thinking as I was watching her was, that was who y'all really wanted, wasn't it? Speaking of music, it's all over this film, and not in a good way. It's mostly used to get exposition out of the way. It's mostly used for exposition, and that's not good. 
Yes. Oh, so many of the songs are telling you exactly what to feel in the moment. Like exactly. The lyrics are outright telling you exactly what to feel. Uh. <laughs> and because these songs are all sung by the lead actress, it winds up feeling like you're being told, well, this is what I'm feeling at this moment. This is exactly what's going through my head. And I know that that's intentional. You can't just have your characters announce how they feel. That makes me feel angry. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what this feels like, though. And it does this throughout the entire film. Yes. God, it's so grating. Because the, the songs stink. Let's just be clear about that. The music in this movie is awful. I have nothing against Christian uh, music. I have nothing against hymns. I have nothing. I even like a, a little bit more of uh, contemporary Christian music than uh, this, you know, than the kind of stuff that you'd hear in this movie. Um, I uh, gave a listen to uh, both the film and play versions of Godspell uh, not too long ago, and still really good stuff. I'm, I mean, just in terms of like music like this, I'm a, actually a big DC Talk fan. They did some, they had some amazing stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not against this stuff. I mean. I want to be clear that I'm not bothered by this film because it's a quote-unquote Christian film, even though it really doesn't make much references to religion when you really stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. But it's more about that this is a movie reflecting Christian values. So we find out that this character has gone home. We find out, because I guess we have to deal with the plot, don't we? What plot there is. We find out that her husband has been arrested uh, in a Ponzi scheme. And he come, he comes from a rich family. And again, family values is the um, the key to this movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing more important than family. For that, you'd think that there would be a lot more drama in this film. There really is not. At every moment that there's a potential obstacle, it's removed. Right. It's and and that uh, subplot. It's you know uh, his father makes bail for him, so mm -hmm. he doesn't have to spend a night in, or or you know weeks in prison, and kind of brings him back to the family whatever, and sticks by him. And it's like okay, well maybe there's some you know it's brought up that well maybe, okay, to in order to kind of uh, clear him and not make him go to jail. He has to testify against these people that hired him, but that also labels him. I'm not sure. I'm also not sure how legally sound this movie is. Oh, this movie is extremely legally unsound. I didn't think so because they're like, oh, yeah, if you testify that you get full immunity, but you also be labeled as a felon. It's like, what? No, I don't. You won't go to jail, but you'll be a felon. Um, what? Okay. How does this make any sense? Okay, let me explain. Let, let me just pause right now to explain what would really happen. What would really happen is he would take a lighter sentence. But he would yes, still have exactly. to do some jail time. It would probably be in a cushy, uh, you know, nice prison. At the very least, he'd be doing house arrest. Right. You know, but, he, I mean, Martha Stewart did jail time. Let's not pretend that just because you're rich, you can get away with it. Martha Stewart did jail time. So there's no reason that this would go this way. It's completely illogical. It's complete garbage. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the law to know what would exactly happen. It wouldn't go this way. Um, there is talk of a Ponzi scheme in the movie, which... And it's, his argument is, well, I, I kind of knew it was going on, but by the time that I figured out I was already in too deep, but I never did anything bad. I never did. I made sure everything was on the up and up. And you're just, I, I wanted to scream as loudly as I could, bullshit. No, everything, okay, if you if you know you're getting, you're, you've been hired by a Ponzi scheme, by definition, everything you do within that company is illegal. Yeah. Everything you do. <laughs> I want to recommend a movie right now to people instead of this one. Watch Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Uh, yes. I, I, I've trash-talked Alex Gibney a little bit in the past, but in, in truth, this is a really good film. And that's one that will actually tell you what life within a, a fraudulent corporation is like. 
if you know what's going on, you it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to funnel your funds. They're going your bosses are going to notice, "Hey, you're not diverting you're you're diverting our money. You're I mean, it was obvious that this guy had just maybe read a Wall Street Journal story on Ponzi schemes and that was it. Uh, I've actually studied them at length. Boy, they don't work this way. Not even remotely. So, but but this is all to establish that the husband is a good and pure noble guy. <laughs> who is getting, who is wanted for fraud. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, there can uh, be no conflict in this movie. No. And, okay, so, so back to my original point. Um, yeah, so... That's his, you know, in the world of this movie, that's his deal. Either uh, either testify against the company and thereby ruin his family name past and future forever. Because I guess his family's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Or was it stay silent, do the jail time, and, you know, just kind of separate himself from his, distance himself from uh, his wife and future child. Okay. So you'd think, okay, uh, like his, her father uh, goes to the the big city to uh, talk to him and say, oh yeah, you can't do that. You have to be there for her because family is the most important thing ever. It's like, okay. And so he does the deal and then you'd think his father would be all like, you can't do this to us, you know. In a logical movie, that's where the conflict would be. It's like, I can't believe you're doing this to us after all I've, I've let you out of jail I, you know, I kept you out of jail. I did blah, blah, blah. You can't drag your family's name through the mud like this. It's like, no, no, son. I'm going to stick by you, whatever you do. It's like, what? No moral theater. <sighs> um, by the way, in reality, if he actually testified and was a whistleblower, he would make the family look great. He would be... Actually, yeah, he would. He would look amazing. He would be the golden boy... He, you know, his family would look great because it'd be like, you know what? We're not corrupt like they are. He would drive business to his family's firm. He'd probably be welcomed back into the family firm with open arms. That's that's reality. It's like society really isn't as unforgiving as people, as, you know, this movie would have you think. In, in fact, whistleblowers are routinely venerated. I mean, sure, within the business, there's a certain amount of darkness about them. But he would be working for his family. You know, that's what would matter. He would not drag the family name through the mud. Staying silent and going to jail and, you know, being convicted, that's what would drag the family name through the mud, not taking the uh, plea deal and testifying and bringing them down. But I'm sorry, that's reality. By the way, are, y'all no- are, y- are you noticing how little this plot has to do with uh, a woman? With, the, with everything? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because let's be clear, this plot actually takes up a sweeping percentage of the film, at least 40%. Mm-hmm. It's not being sold on that, it's not being sold as that, but really the husband is as much a co-lead as uh, anybody else in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I, I hate that I'm going to have to bring this up because I'm going to actually review this for the website. In the novelization of this film which I have access to via the library and will be reading, it actually switches between character points of view. So he gets as many (laughs) points of view chapters as she does. Yeah, I I thumbed through the novelization. Uh, I'm going to have a very bad uh, time ahead of me. I do not envy you. (laughs) But yeah, look for that to go up uh, alongside this uh, movie. Uh, Because I can already tell you there's some huge differences um, right off the bat. But, okay, so... So that's so that's theoretically what the movie is about. Let's talk about what else the movie is about because it occurs to me Faith is really a very mute main character in this movie. She doesn't really do anything, does she? She doesn't really know. She has very few lines. Everything just sort of happens to her. She just kind of stands around and looks pretty and well, that's it. Like I can't even j- judge her performance. Yeah, it's like we've talked a bit in past about uh, movies that glorify the country life and like the small town life this is i guess trying to say the same thing but it also 
uh, it also depicts townspeople as horrible gossips. Which, in all fairness, makes this one of the most realistic movies about small-town life I've ever seen. Um, it is, yeah. I, I, Actually. I went off on a Twitter rant about this last night, but I do not like movies that constantly vilify the big city in the name of celebrating small towns. Yeah, big cities are quote-unquote theoretically more impersonal because, okay, reminder to people, I, I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again, I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is the biggest city in Arkansas. Here's the thing, I still have friends here. I still have a number of people I can call and contact. Uh, of course, I I don't live alone, of course. Uh, you know, I live with uh, my wife and soon my daughter. Um, I, I, this, 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 but, but, but here's the thing. I'm also well acquainted with small towns, and small towns, they're not blue velvet. Let's be clear. They're not blue velvet, twisted, oh, ha, ha, look how weird and gross it. But they're not that warm fuzzy is the thing. They're not happy places. And so to have the everybody in town be kind of shrew, shrill and shrewish to uh, Faith, it's accurate. That's actually, that feels right. Like, that actually feels like something where I'm like, yeah, okay, this is this is true to life. Though they're not shrill enough. I, there wasn't, there's no discussion of politics in this movie. There's no discussion of homophobia. There's no discussion of social issues. Which does kind of make this movie feel a little bit distant. Because let me tell you, if you spend five minutes talking to people from small towns, you will hear about all that stuff. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Not 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 knocking my friends in small towns. If y'all are there, I love you to death. But come on, let's just be realistic. I, the glorification of small town life, and the idea that the big city corrupts you is garbage. In truth, small towns can be extremely corrupting. That's what bothers me, is that they have this message that the big city corrupts you, ignoring that small towns corrupt you just as badly. You, you know, the big city corrupts you uh, with the huge, you know impersonality and you know the coldness of it but small towns corrupt you with the insularity and the festering of values i have the best of the best of both worlds where i'm at i live in a suburb you know if you're in a mid-sized town you're you're doing it right that's kind of my best advice to people is live in a mid-sized town live in a suburb yeah yeah it's it's great it's not you're not in the heart of the big city which i'm sorry i i, I live near kansas city I, I love Kansas City. Is City life is the life for me. Uh, Same here. It, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm out here, so it's not like, you know, it's not like it's busy 24-7. You know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Kind of a smallish town, but not small enough to where, you know, absolutely everybody knows everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and it's also more city-ish. So, I mean... My personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. This is just... This movie this is just so stupid. I mean, it's just... It's just this whole... Because there's this constant discussion of how bad New York is and how bad... I have a number of friends who are from New York. They make it sound awesome, actually. Mm -hmm. This... I think one of the, my first comments to you when I started watching this was... Man, this has more this has more establishing shots than the room. Yeah, let's talk about that because that's one of the things that's very bad. Um, I have a theory about why that is. I noticed that the cinematographer and the editor were the same person. I think you're probably right. They are, and I think he probably was just too proud of the stuff he had. And that's that's a big mistake. Uh, one also one thing I will no I will note about those establishing shots. Okay, for the purposes of the film. Where they're trying to paint the city as, oh, this evil thing that corrupts you. And the country as, oh, this thing that's basically down home and, you know, uh, family, family, blah, 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 family. Uh, the establishing shots for the city are identical to the establishing shots for the country. Like, they are, by that I mean, they're helicopter shots from way above... They show all the skyscrapers, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts right to the bird's eye view helicopter shot of the country with all of its buildings and trees and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, it's the exact same shot. Mm -hmm. 
By the way, I, I will make the observation that I would theorize that they probably didn't do a single day's worth of shooting in New York. Because the, the one shot where they're in Times Square is so obviously green screened, it's pathetic. They are not in Times Square at all. That's really bad. It's it's pretty embarrassing, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It's the same style of shot. I mean, really, you, you could do a room-style drinking game for the uh, shots on this movie. Oh, yes. I mean, the movie was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, near as I can tell. Wilmington being a very popular shoot for, play, for uh, TV shows. Uh, I know Dawson's Creek was shot there. All of which, by the way, is really reinforcing that this movie really does feel a lot like a soap opera. It does. Yeah. Like, this reminds me of, like, a direct-to-basic direct cable movie. Like, this is almost a grade-below-lifetime movie. Well, that's exactly what this is. I mean, that's, that's, that is what this is. That's, that's exactly what this is. Uh, they had maybe a smidgen more money, but that's exactly what this is. Now, I mean, it, it it shouldn't remind you of that. That's what this is, and it's not a good one. Um, but, okay, we've gotten so far off track, and that's because that's what the movie does. Like, the movie really and truly, not only does it have so many flashbacks, they're not even in correct order. Because... No! Even even within the flashbacks, they're not, they're not in correct order. No. Okay. Anybody here who's anybody who's listening has there's a good chance you've read The Disaster Artist, <laughs> which will be filmed and uh, in theaters this year. Uh, all the set photos look great from the movie. I cannot wait. Uh, James Franco has put together one hell of a cast. He looks eerie as uh, why so, uh, and uh, that one's wound up with uh, New Line Cinema is going to distribute it. That one is sounding like it is going to be an absolute blast of a movie. Even if it's not the best movie of the year, it will be absolute fun to see that book come alive. Yeah, but here's what I love about that book: it's told in a dual flat. It's told in a dual structure. You get one set of stories, which is the start of production of the room, and then you double back, and it alternates chapters. Every other chapter is um, Greg Sestero telling his life story to that point. And then every other chapter is The Room, the production of it being told in chronological order. Both stories are told in chronological order, and the penultimate chapter then doubles back and meets the first chapter. The stories merge. It's a very well-told yeah. structure. This movie, we get the important, uh, we get the most important facts in the first flashback, and then it doubles back to show us uh, the marriage and it so we get this lengthy flashback that establishes all this stuff after that and then we get another flashback like we get so many flashbacks where I'm not sure what's going on and that's what made me think that we were being misled we're not though yeah no not at all in fact we are being misled in that we think we're being misled right which is not a good storytelling device it's a terrible device Ugh, god this is Nathan, really, man. It's 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 very anticlimactic. It's very anticlimactic because again, you've got the love interest that is set up, and am I right that that guy is set up exactly as a love interest? Yes, he is, and he goes absolutely nowhere. In fact, I think uh, last night while I was watching the film, I had to finish it this morning. Last night, I fell asleep, and then woke up. You know, I fell asleep after, of course, that guy was established and woke up. I kind of confused him with the with the uh, character with the um, all of a sudden he's there, like the the guy that it's like, okay, is that her husband or is that the guy that like does she end up with him or what's happening here? The answer is no. <laughs> the uh, pseudo-love interest, the husband, and the husband's brother, who, by the way, was the writer-director, all look I, all look pretty much identical, so you can't tell them apart. <sighs> God. I did a thing. But, since, since this movie is going to take its sweet time dragging... This is an 89-minute movie, by the way, but it still takes its sweet time dragging its feet to an obvious conclusion... 
which again is conflict-free. The movie needs to pad itself out. So what we get are stories of the uh, of Faith's relationship with her father. And near as I can tell, these two should have a much more toxic relationship than they do. Because he's never even met her husband and doesn't until he goes to confront him. Her mother has died uh, earlier in an accident. We don't get any real details about it, although there are hints that there's going to be some big story about it. Oh boy, and can we just... Can we just talk about the uh, the really clumsy setup that leads to his uh, fall? Like, the uh, the father? Yeah. It's like, oh, they keep mentioning, oh, yeah, he can't have salt. It's like, okay, that's cool. They, you know, they set that up a few times. It's like, yeah, something's going to happen to him. Yeah. Oh, the minute he sets foot on screen, he might he might as well introduce himself with, so you know I'm going to die, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. And it's weird because it's like, oh yeah, he can't have salt. It's like, okay, that means he's going to have either a stroke or a heart attack or a combination of both. It's a brain right? tumor. It's a brain tumor! What the hell? By the way, he in no way acts like somebody who's had a brain tumor. It's just, no. that's what's chosen. In reality, there are signs of a brain tumor that include, you know, slurred speech, uh, motor difficulties, which I guess there's a little bit of that. He acts like he's had a heart attack, though. Yeah, yeah, and the doctors do too. They're like, "Oh yeah, you know, we can we can send him home with you tonight after we give him some blah blah." It's like a brain tumor. No, seriously. No, he, he's also far too active. He is ridiculously active for a man who is dying of a brain tumor. Yeah, it's really bad. For those who want like a timestamp on this, we're recording this the day. Uh, after it was revealed that uh, David Bowie died of cancer. Yeah. Bowie was pretty quiet in his last 18 months. Um, he did record an album, and it's now become clear that it was an album that he recorded knowing he was going to die. Apparently a lot of the songs on it are about death. Um, here's the point that I bring up in, in evoking uh, that man's death. When you have cancer, you tend to not want to do things. Um Every single one of us that is listening to this has known somebody that's died of cancer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially with me in the last year. That's what that's what my grandma died. That's what that's what killed my uh, grandmother uh, on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. With cancer, you don't move. You don't want to move, and it's not just because of the treatment. It's because you. It's because cancer eats you alive. It kills you. This man is active until he dies. He never once shows any signs that he's sick. It's just convenient plot-related cancer. He doesn't even get scenes where he's wasting away in bed. And my theory is this is probably because McRaney as a producer was like, I'm not going to be lazy. You know, hell no, I'm not going to do it. That's going to make me look bad. So he has to be the one to go in and... I mean, he's out and walking around. At one point, he takes a trip to New York. Yeah, this movie is so realistic. But again, he spends the entire movie like, you know I'm going to die. I mean, every line that he delivers might as well be, I ain't dead yet. Like, one of the last things that he says on the matter is, uh, you know, talking to, after he visits uh, the husband in the city, it's like, no, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get treatment. I'm not going, I had a good life, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, you should be dead already. Yeah. That, that shit spreads pretty damn fast. Yeah, brain tumors are very aggressive. Um, But again, that's something that you would know if you took five minutes to do some damn research. Um, uh, Anybody who wants to know what actually dying of cancer is like can feel free to watch the documentary Life Itself on uh, Roger Ebert's life, which spends a lengthy amount of time depicting his death from cancer. Yeah, watch that if you don't have any first-hand knowledge. This is just, it's so ridiculous. The guy never shows any symptoms aside from the fall. I love the line, it's it's pretty textbook from the doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? (laughs) No, you you don't actually deliver lines like that. This is just... No. And there's also, like, they go to such lengths to establish that, well, if he goes to this one doctor, and of course the whole point is that the father just wants an excuse to go to New York so that he can talk to the husband. Mm-hmm. The husband he's never met. Um, 
Oh, yeah, this movie is so realistic. Oh, one of my favorite lines that just made me do a double take. Before she goes off to do something, her father tells her, you realize I've had a wife and mama and they're both dead. And then she says, she shoots back, that means nothing to a daughter. It's like, I'm sorry, what? What? I know that's a bad, bad line. That's a very bad line. It's not, you know, and that's like, just, just reading the line by itself you'd think that that was like she was saying that to be malicious to him it's like no it's not how it's read it's read as a as a playful comeback it's like no 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 that's it's kind of that's awful but that's this movie in a nutshell good god this movie is so the acting in this movie seriously it's non-acting like if it was over the top i think i would like it more but really mcraney's the only one who's doing anything and he's just doing stern and gruff. Here's my advice to people: instead of doing this, save yourself some money and go read the uh, AV Club. Uh, the AV Club did a random rolls with him. That's a great read. That's an awesome read. Um, he has a really cool story in it about he uh, met uh, Delta Burke at an event and was like really impressed by her, and then uh, didn't get the chance to speak to her anymore after that. And someone uh, offered him a part on uh, designing women to do do just a guest spot and he only took it because he really wanted to see her again and uh, they wound up happily married it's, it's just kind of a cool little story uh read that because the guy has had an awesome career he's he's had a really interesting career this is not something that's going to be talked about at the end of that he was in the a-team he was in the uh, 2009 a-team movie actually come to think of it or it was 2000 no it's 2010 i guess it doesn't matter when it was he was in the a-team movie and the a-team movie is awesome damn you want you want to watch a good movie watch that instead that one's great i need to rewatch it i watched it in the hospital and that's not a very no good vantage point to watch a movie no but that's a damn good movie that's a that's an awesome movie that's a fun movie um that's like that's a rare TV show adaptation where what they did right with it was they didn't make fun of it. They just outright adapted the show. Right. And, and did it justice. That's a good one. I re- watch that. That's a good movie. Uh, I mean, it's already it's the show is already pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So the movie just has fun I mean, with it. The movie just leans into yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's a good yeah. One. That's a good one. <laughs> there I go. I'm just thinking about good things as usual. This okay, but. You gotta immunize yourself against you gotta immunize this shit sometimes. We're getting to the point where we have to talk about what's really toxic about this movie. So we've already established, okay, there's a big subplot about the father having cancer, but he's already decided he doesn't want it. He wants to die and be with his wife. Okay, that's stupid, but I've seen it used in good movies. I know that's a big plot point in Creed, apparently. And I've heard it's actually quite moving in that case. But then again, that one's going to be more moving because instead of some random guy telling us that, it's going to be Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> I can imagine that's a little bit more moving. By the way, did you see that Stallone got uh, Best Supporting Actor at uh, the Golden Globes last night? I did not, I did not see that, no. Yeah, he got Best Supporting Actor for playing this part. You know what? If Stallone wins an acting Oscar, let it be for that role. Uh, and I think he's probably the... I'm probably going to wind up sounding silly when it doesn't happen, but I think he's probably got a good shot at an Oscar. Yeah. Ugh, I haven't seen Creed yet, and that makes me ma- mad, because I would rather have watched that than this. Yeah. <laughs> we really need one of our Patreons uh, people to tell us to go see a theatrical film. Um, I know. <laughs> we're going to put that out there for our Patreon people. Do that for us, please. But anyway, so you've got this move. So you've got this whole thing in the movie about how you know the father has cancer, but that doesn't matter. You've got the thing about the husband's financial dealings, but that's all going to get swept away. So what is the plot of this movie ultimately? Oh, you've got the love interest, but he's not actually a love interest. So what is this movie's central message? That the main character should work things out with her husband, and that marriage is always a good thing and marriage you should never get divorced it's the worst thing in the world i have thoughts on this as married man i'm i'm married amanda's expecting a little girl in june i'm very happily married 
Yeah, big yay there. This is actually your first your first cast announcement yes, for it that. Is. We'll yeah. Admit. yeah, Amanda's expecting a little baby girl, a little Miss Lola Fay. Yeah. I I adore my wife. I marriage for me is the happiest thing in the world. My parents are married. But let me stress this. If you are not in a happy relationship, you should not be married. This is a big theme in Christian movies of if you're in a toxic marriage, you should always stay married. Because marriage is the most important thing ever. It's the mar- it's the most sacred thing ever uh, no. that you can do. No. 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 I mean, no. look, if you get married, you take it seriously. But I got news for you. Sometimes people grow apart. Sometimes people change. Sometimes relationships evolve. And it turns out that marriage isn't the best thing for them. We're not given any reason to think that it is or isn't in this case, admittedly. In fact, the few scenes that we see of these two together, they seem pretty happy, actually. Which is kind of frustrating for me as a critic, but, you know, of course, we don't get any depth. We don't get any scenes. Do we even get a single scene of them just alone? That's not just montage? I I want to say towards the end, maybe, but... Well, towards the end, after they get back together, yes, but... Yeah, but before that, no, not really. (sighs) No. No, we're just kind of expected to... We're told. Uh, yeah, here's what I think. I think that they filmed a much longer movie. Probably so. I would wager that. And, yeah, but they wanted to... But they were told that they had to get down to a certain length for the studio. So they just said, okay, let's put all this in flashback. All the backstory. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. You know what? Because I've been thumbing through the novelization, I see evidence that you're right, actually. Because the novelization really? has a lot of those scenes. Wow. Yeah, novelization looks to have a lot of those scenes that were cut out. Uh, novelization's like 400 pages. Jesus Christ. That's as long as a Harry Potter novel. I know. And not <laughs> not even one trillionth as good. No, and Harry Potter, the movies based on those novels are an hour, two and a half hours. This, I think you're right. I think there probably were a lot of scenes that were cut out that just didn't make the final cut. But but here's the thing. If all of this has to do with the fact that the movie has ridiculous morality, uh, if the husband were in fact allowed to be a scumbag, then okay, I would understand why they would want to get divorced. As it stands, I don't understand why she's not standing by him. That's, I guess, what I don't understand. Is why this movie is happening in the first place. Because he seems like such a noble guy. And he seems like, even if he's gone to jail and she's upset about it, in reality, she would be standing right by him. Right. Instead, it's like him saying, yeah, I can't tell you because then you'd be implicated along with me. And it's like, okay... She would still be standing by him. We are not given any signs that this is a troubled marriage. This seems to be a very happy marriage. It would not go this way. That's the problem that this movie has. And that's the problem that ultimately a lot of these movies have. Is nobody acts how they would act in the real world. In the real world, if she's a wealthy society woman, she's sure as hell going to stand by him. At the very least for image. Right. Oh, but wait, there's this conflict because she's not of money, and that and the family doesn't like her. And I'm so sick of that cliche. Uh-huh. God. I'm so, I'm so sick of... There's so many cliches in this movie. But again, they're not executed right. That's the weird thing. By the way, I have season two of Broad City. I think I'm going to be watching that to flush this out of my head. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I have to go work after this, but as do I. Uh, I have plenty of things I can listen to that will that will do just that. But I'll but I'll watch it tomorrow. I'll watch it tomorrow. This is oh god, this is a bad. This is just this is just a. I mean, it, it, in no way would would these characters act this way. But all the same, this all leads back to the idea of marriage is the most important thing. But again, we're not shown that this is a troubled marriage. We're, so in reality, what she would be doing would be standing by him and fighting for him because he's not a bad person. He's not a scumbag. So she would be doing all she could to stand by him. Mm-hmm. God. I'm really going to be curious to see. I mean, I say that I'm going to be watching Broad City to wash the taste out of my mouth. The truth is I'm going to be reading the novelization. 
Yeah. That's going to be what I'm going to be doing <laughs> with my spare time. So I'm going to be having to live in this world yet some more time. Oh, but... I'll be curious to see uh, what's different. Yeah, I will be too. Um, near as I can tell, the novelization seems to start like nine chapters in... Like, it seems to start... Like, there's nine chapters before it even gets to the uh, start of the movie. Wow. Yeah, this... Yeah, that really backs up my theory a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a case of a longer movie, or if it was just a case of the novelizationist. Christian novelizations... I have a number of Christian movie novelizations, which I'm going to talk about when we get to that cast. I'm rather proud of the fact that I own a novelization of a Brian Trenchard Smith movie, let me tell you. Maybe the only one that exists. They do tend to do that, though. They do tend more than mainstream novelizations to go off script. Let's point out that this movie is supremely white. There's pretty much nothing but white people in this movie. It is just the whitest movie possible, except for the lawyer. There's one character of color in the whole movie, and it's the lawyer. Which, okay, could be said for Gone Girl as well, come to think of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it is the lawyer, but it's also Tyler Perry. Yeah. And he has a hell of a lot more personality than this lawyer brings to oh, yeah. the table. Well, Perry walks away with the movie in every scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perry makes you wonder why the hell he's not doing more movies like this, because you give that guy the chance, he can be extremely funny. Mm-hmm. He is hysterical in that movie. Uh of course, it also helps that he's uh, prof- spewing profanity and uh, not playing, you know, not... This movie made me miss Medea, to be honest. Like, if she had been in this movie, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Because at least she has personality and character and energy. And that's honestly what this movie is, is it's a Medea movie without Medea. Actually, yeah. it's that's, You're completely 100% right. I missed her in this because I could have used that. I mean, sure, the character's horrible. She's a, a violent sociopath, but uh, at least, at least she's a character. I mean, you know, and at least, at least Perry brings some energy to proceedings. Again, this movie is so leaden. But this movie, there is inevitably the other woman scene. We get, and that's not even really a good established conflict. It's just like, hey. I'm going to try and seduce you. I'm not even slightly interested. I'm not none. But, I mean, that's what's so irritating about this movie is that you've got the other woman. And, of course, she's a big city woman. So, Mm -hmm. this movie's values. Again, big city bad. Big city bad, small town good. Which, by the way, is hysterical to anybody who is even remotely acquainted with small towns. You want to know where the infidelity really happens? It's in small towns. Seriously, everybody knows a good cheating story. And those ones tend to be the fun ones. This this movie just has such dumb values. And it's such a non-movie. It's like... I mean, of course, inevitably, the, the husband takes the plea deal. Because, again, no conflict. The husband and wife get back together because no conflict. The father then proceeds to survive long enough to have his uh, birthday. He seems he seems, by the way, not one bit less healthy. Even though in the next scene he'll be dead, mm-hmm. he dies. We inevitably get the scene where we find out that uh, the wife is now pregnant and that she and her husband have decided to move home to the small town. Which, by the way, what's he going to do with his career, with himself? I know. He'll, uh, he'll uh, telecommute, I guess. Actually, that probably would be a realistic option for someone in his business. He could actually probably realistically do that. He could probably pull it off, yeah. Like, seriously, if you stop and think about it, he would probably actually work... Darn it, now I've actually thought of a way to make this movie make some sense. I... Damn it, why did you have to say that? I actually had somewhere I was going. I know. Going, and you actually made me realize that actually... The kind of work that he does, financial advisor work, is often mm-hmm. done digitally. Yeah, he... he could totally work from home. <sighs> this movie. But they don't have the sense to set that up. They don't so. have the sense to set that up, even though that's a big question. But there's the but again, the movie ends with an underlining of see, family is good. 
there's nothing ever said about the wife's singing career ever again. Nope. Ever. Nothing. She's certainly not going to find it in the country, that's for sure. Nope. And she's just going to go on ahead and be a mother, which, again, I'm not trashing being a mother. What part of uh, right. What part of uh, my wife is expecting, and I think it's the greatest thing ever, don't you understand? But here's the thing. In a movie like this, it feels conspicuously like, see, now you're doing your role. You're doing your proper role. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. It's the context. It's... Uh pretty poisonous actually this is a this is a really bad movie wow nathan you really you really challenged us nathan kudos man you found a rotten one (laughs) would i recommend watching this movie to make fun of it yeah yeah actually i kind of would yeah like i if you're going to if you're looking through netflix for a bad movie to sit there and make fun of and talk back to this Mm -hmm. isn't a bad one this is actually a yeah, pretty good choice. Uh, I, I did a couple of riffs while watching. <laughs> yeah, it's it, this is actually uh, honestly between this and Cool Cat, I actually found this more easy to riff. Yeah, ironically <laughs> enough, bizarrely enough, I actually really found this probably more riffable. Um, this and Standing Ovation, I don't know, but that's the weird thing is as bad as this movie is, it's not as bad as Standing Ovation. It's not as bad as. Um, Cool Cat isn't a movie, so it doesn't even really count. Is this worse than Zapped Again? Yeah, probably. Yeah, kind of. On a script script level, yes. Yeah, on a script... Because, I don't know, I mean, they both have pretty bad values. At least, at least Zapped Again stuck to a formula. At least it stuck to a formula. This movie... But that's what's so fascinating about this movie, is that it does stick to a formula. It just doesn't seem to... It just doesn't stick to the right one at any given moment, or or it or it starts to stick to formulas, and then it has, and then it remembers. Oh, we got an audience to satisfy. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I know people who are probably going to watch this. I don't know though. I noticed this didn't get very good reviews, even within the, uh, like the user reviews were pretty rotten on it. Actually, yeah. The I went to the IMDb reviews, and they were pretty negative among people who would be expected to enjoy it. Like a a number of, like a lot of people pointed out that the wrong guy wound up as the most successful at the end. You know, a lot of people point out that the husband should not have been the one. A lot of people pointed that out, which just kind of underlines my point. If even your audience is going, uh, yeah i don't know but this it is fun to riff i i had a good time riffing this uh, otherwise stay away from it i mean if you're gonna watch a movie to riff well okay if you're gonna watch a movie to riff and you haven't watched a talking cat it's still on there and it's still the current reigning champion of best movies to riff on netflix but i don't know this was a bad movie but i had a lot of fun uh doing this cast uh i i wasn't I wasn't bored by this movie because it was consistently awful. Yeah, it was pretty thoroughly consistently bad. Uh, is, oh wait, there's one other thing I do have to point out because I have got, and I'm gonna awkwardly shoehorn it in because this movie awkwardly shoehorns in all that stuff about the dancing with my father thing. I hate this cliche in movies. You know why I hate this because it reinforces creepy paternalism in movies. Now, again, I'm about to find out what a father-daughter relationship is like. I've got that coming on in my life. But I I find that stuff creepy. I find the whole, you know, it's creepy. And this movie does not make it less creepy. Uh, I find that whole Butterfly Kisses song creepy. I find all this stuff creepy. So, you no, don't. But, and you... But yeah, watch this one if you want to watch a really... If you want to see... Let me put it this way. In terms of the movies like this that we're going to be covering, this one is at least less painful than some of the ones that we're going to be hitting on. It's at least less painful than some of those. And at least it's short. Uh, Next time, uh, we've got... Speaking of wives expecting, uh, we've got Miss Amanda Shin on. Yeah. Next week's Amanda's Choice, and... We're going to be covering a movie we've talked about before, so our opinion on it is pretty much already given away. 
But you know what? It's such an awesome movie, and it's got so much to discuss that we're gladly going to sit down and watch The Fifth Element. Yes. Yeah, we have not discussed it at length, and it really does need to be discussed at length. Still the best blockbuster of 1997, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to discuss this one. This is this is an awesome movie that we're going to be discussing. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so let's give our let's shout out to our patrons. Yes, shout out to all you guys. Uh, thanks for your continual support. It really does help a lot. First off this week, of course, Nathan. Nathan, thank you very much for your continual support and for delivering on those movies. Yeah, <laughs> on those suggestions. We look forward to your next one. Yeah. Oh God, we do. Um, keep them coming. And uh, thank you for thank you to uh, last week's contributor of the movie uh, for the Godfather cast. Thank you, uh, Bridget, or known to you as Mom. My family's helpful. Oh yeah, <laughs> very very helpful. Um, Thanks, Amanda, and thank you, Amanda, for next week's contribution and it will be really fun Mm -hmm. and we also haven't talked in a while so that'll be it'll be good to be able to talk to her again Mm -hmm. thank you sean from no totally uh if you're continuing to support i continue i uh i continue to listen to your cast and man you've made me want to rewatch the movies let me tell you Mm -hmm. he's good for that he is yeah uh so thank you sean uh thank you daisy thank you sheila again for your, your continual support it's very help. It's ever helpful, and I think that's all. I think that's all so far. But yeah, support the Patreon. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can find us at Patreon.com/slash/TheFilmRoom. Yes, and we will be adding. We will be kind of uh, bolstering our tier system there, like our reward tier. There, um, uh, we're going to be adding a mid-level tier, but that's that's all coming up. Um, we'll update you on that when i actually update the site with it but yeah and okay you can find us on our feed at thefilmroom.podbean.com once again thanks for sticking with us throughout the hiatus Uh, you gave us some good numbers through the hiatus i'm shocked (laughs) and we love you guys so much always yeah you can find us on itunes please please rate review us that's how we get found uh that's how we that's how we grow our audience. That's, you know, uh, help help us help you. And it also helps us, you know, deliver better content to you via, you know, indirectly via Patreon and all that good stuff. You know, because our, because our, our relationship to our audience is a lot of what grows us. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, add to our nice little pile of likes. We've got about 550 now, which is really cool. Thank you guys, and uh, that's one of the places we update regularly. Let's see, you can find us on Twitters. We as a collective are at Filmroomcast. Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Primitive Man PRD. We have the secret Twitter uh, soon. <laughs> at least before April, we will reveal. We will finally just put that out there. Mm-hmm. Boy, do we have plans for April. Yeah, um, we have a fun April ahead for y'all. We're going to do something very different for April. We are. <laughs> it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, you can find us on our side blog where we will be, uh, I do believe, this week. We will be uh, starting it up again. Yep. Um, this week, as in, as in last week. Yeah. This week for future... But last week for, yeah, I'm confusing myself. The fifteenth. Yeah, on the on the fifteenth, we're bringing nostalgia back, and we're going to do something very different with it, something very cool. So, mm-hmm. be looking for that. 1996 was a good year for movies. Um, it wasn't, but that's the so, whole point of it. Yes, exactly. It's much more interesting for us. So yeah, uh, thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. Yep. We will see y'all next week. I'll see you later. No need to worry, folks in a hurry. Leave them behind you. No one can find you. House in the country.
a manhole there Yes, yes, I need you Come let me feed you I've never tried to Come let me hide you House in the country House in the country Do not go in that house. What? I'll go. No, you don't know where anything is. You stay here and relax and enjoy yourself. Daddy, I'll... I'm going to the store. Now, if you want to make yourself useful, take Silver back out, and I'll wash him when I get home. You do realize I've had both a mama and a wife, and they're both dead. That's nothing to a daughter. 